All right, if you have your Bibles today, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We are continuing our series as we walk through the book of 1 Corinthians this semester, this year in chapel. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, if you're a guest here visiting with us today, if you're faculty, if you're staff, I appreciate you being here. But today I have a message on my heart for our students. You've got your whole life ahead of you. And you've got so many different messages being preached at you. You've got movies telling you one thing. You've got TV telling you another. You've got a commercial on TV every day telling you you're worthless unless you have some new piece of gadget, some new piece of equipment, something the world has to offer. And all of it is junk. I watch on Facebook, I watch on Twitter, I get the emails. I have a passion and a concern for you as students that 18 to 22 years old, you come to Cedarville. Some of you have been living on your parents' faith, you've been living on your church's faith, you're here now and it's time for you to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to live for Jesus with my own faith, with my own convictions, with my own life, with my own passion, or am I going to give in to some mixed message that this world sends us and chase after materialism or chase after fame or chase after the wrong person to to marry, or am I going to get involved in sexual immorality, or am I going to do all these things that will ruin in your life or are you going to make your life something awesome for the kingdom of God that makes a difference? In the passage that we've got before us today, I've titled it The Scandal of Human Wisdom. And I'll just be honest with you, I titled it that because I was trying to work scandal into every sermon and so that's the reason it's titled that. There's no wisdom behind it. But what our passage is really about today is the fact that human wisdom will lead you astray, but that true godly wisdom comes through the Spirit, by the Spirit for you. And so if you, if you want to know what in the world am I trying to get across to you today, I'm trying to get across to you today that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that God will speak in our lives through his word to give you true godly wisdom. And that's the only wisdom you ever need to be worried about. Anything I say up here in this pulpit, anything anybody says up here, you've got to check with God's word and you've got to check with the Holy Spirit. Anything that an advisor tells you, that a professor tells you, that you see on TV, that even a person you respect tells you has got to be checked by God's word and by the Holy Spirit. There are preachers all over the place. How many of you like preachers, by the way? Anybody? No, come on, be honest. We all hate preachers, right? Unless we are one. What do preachers do? Preachers get up in front of us and yell at us and spit all over us, right? That's why you all sit at the back, and that's why there's no pew sitting right here. It's nobody wants to shower. We get up and we yell. But if we're honest, we recognize that the world's full of preachers. Every commercial has a spokesperson that tells you a message that's going to make you better. That's a preacher with a message. Every movie you watch, believe it or not, has a hidden agenda somewhere in it. And it's a preacher preaching a message to tell you what you ought to believe. And then you come here five days a week and you get a different preacher or a different person with a different message telling you something. What preacher, what message are you going to believe? How are you going to know what's true? Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 16 today. Let's read it. It says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, 
But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed for the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In verse 6, looking through verse 9, we see the first division that true wisdom comes from God. You want to know what message you should believe. You want to know what you need to focus on in your life is that true wisdom comes from God. Now, that sounds simplistic, but think about it. If true wisdom comes from God, we should be reading the Bible and what he's revealed to us much more than we should be reading what anybody says about the Bible or anybody else talking about the Bible. We should be reading the Bible. Now, from what I've heard from surveys, and I haven't conducted one, but from what I've heard from surveys, about 12% have a daily, consistent time of Bible reading and prayer with God. You want to know what truth is? You want to know how you should live your life? Read God's Word and seek wisdom from God, not from any other sources, not from other friends. Look at what it says here. It says, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. So there is a wisdom, but it's not a human wisdom. Look at what it says about this wisdom. Among the mature, we impart wisdom. It doesn't say the simplistic can get it, the mature. So who are the mature? In verse 9, it says, God has prepared for those who love him. Who are the mature? The mature are those who love God. If you love God, if you're seeking after God, if you're trying to understand, then you're part of that growing in maturity and you do impart a wisdom. Let's see what it says about wisdom though. Here's the first thing it says. It is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. You are always gonna have wisdoms of the age. So today I go on iTunes and I decide to look and see what the top 10 songs are. That's the wisdom of this age. And by the way, it is totally contradictory to everything you're going to see in God's Word. Why is it that we have Cedarville University? And why is it that we say we want a biblical worldview in every classroom? It's because when you encounter a world and a world tells you that evolution is the truth and that evolution is how all of us came to be, then if you believe in an evolutionary mindset, you don't have a judge, you don't have somebody that you're going to be responsible for. But if you have a creator, a God that created us, a God that loves us, then it's fine for us to have a judge because he created us. We owe our lives to him. And so when he judges us, that makes perfect sense. You have messages being taught and the wisdom of this age, the things that come out of this age or the rulers of this age, look at what it says about about them. It says they are doomed to pass away. May we never want to be smart compared to this age. May we never want to look at this age and have all of the people around us say, look at the wisdom they have for this age. And that's our, it's professors, that's our tendency is we want the world to look at us and say, look how smart they are. But instead it says that the rulers of this age, the wisdom of this age passes away. But then we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom from God. So the second thing you need to make sure you get out of this first part is that wisdom comes from God. 
which God decreed ages before the ages for our glory. God's wisdom is eternal. It's not like God woke up one morning and said, "Uh uh-oh, I didn't know Adam was gonna sin. Uh Uh-oh, I didn't know Eve was gonna do that. Uh Uh-oh, I didn't know you were gonna put that post on Facebook. Uh Uh-oh, I didn't know you were gonna make a mistake. Uh Uh-oh, I didn't know what was gonna happen. God, from ages before, before anything ever happened, God knew exactly what was gonna take place. He is the sovereign, all-knowing God. He knew it, and he knew it before time, and God's wisdom is no accident. It was always his plan. He created us knowing that Adam and Eve were gonna sin, knowing that he was gonna send Jesus to die on the cross, knowing that it was gonna cost him his son's life on a cross to die for our sins, to reconcile us, to put everything back like it should be, and yet he created us anyway, and that's the love of God that he has for you and for me. It says here, none of the rulers of this age understood this. It's true of today as well. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you get wisdom from the rulers of this age? No, you don't. Look at what it says in verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, it's not what you see with empirical evidence. What no ear has heard, it's not what you hear from the traditions of men or from the community or from the village. What no heart has imagined, it's not your intuition, it's not your instincts, as good as your instincts may be, it's not your instincts that are going to lead you to a right relationship with God, it's that godly wisdom, it's the hidden wisdom, it's the secret wisdom, and we're going to see how that's going to be revealed in the very next verse, but what God has prepared for those who love him. Here's what we need to make sure we understand, is that we don't get wisdom from inside ourselves, we don't get wisdom from looking to other humans. We don't get wisdom from looking to the television or to this age or the people that are popular in this age. It's not that we go to Madonna or Britney Spears or Lady Gaga or any of them and look at what they say and think that's how we get wisdom. We get wisdom when we go to God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through God's word. True wisdom comes from God. True wisdom is revealed through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And here you see revelation. Now, what is revelation? Revelation is the revealing. It is the pulling of the curtain back. It is God's word that he has revealed to us. And unless God has revealed who he is to us, we cannot know him. And so here we see that God's revelation comes to us through the Holy Spirit. For it's the Spirit who knows the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? All right, I need a volunteer. Come on up. Yep. All right, tell us your name. Kylie. All right, where are you from? Philadelphia. Okay, I'm going to put on my super ESPN thinking cap right now, okay? I'm going to tell you what you're thinking. What? Yeah, I'm going to tell you what you're thinking. Okay. Okay, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. You're thinking... It's really embarrassing to be on stage with no shoes on. Is that what you were thinking? Not necessarily. But kind what? Of, kind of. What were you thinking? No. What were you thinking? Uh, I was thinking about God. You were thinking about God. I was. Okay, I need, an- I need another volunteer. Give me another volunteer right here. Come on. Tell us your name and where you're from. Daniel from Long Island. Daniel from Long Island. Woo! All right, Daniel, I want you to think of something when I say these words, okay? Cleveland Browns. Now, don't tell anybody what you thought of. I'm going to predict what he's thinking. 
Losers. Exactly what is it that was. right? That's exactly what it was. Aha! How about that? All right. I got that right. All right. Now think of something else. Anything in the world, think of it. I'm going to tell you what you're thinking of. You're thinking that that bat in the student center was really weird? Uh, no, that was not what I was thinking. Uh, what were you thinking? An acorn. An acorn. <laughs> okay, go sit down. All right. So that failed miserably, right? Why did that fail miserably? I can't read his mind. Who knows what you're thinking when you don't say it out loud? Only the spirit within you and the Lord. Who knows what you're thinking when you don't say it out loud? Your spirit within you. You know your thoughts. I don't know your thoughts. I don't know what some of you are thinking right now. Although I can predict some of you are thinking, man, I'm ready to get to Chuck's for lunch or I'm ready for 1045 to get here. But beyond those, I can't tell what you're thinking because I don't have your spirit. Your spirit's not within me. And here's what it says. It says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. Now, here's just a comma. Horoscopes, psychic hotlines, magic eight balls, Ouija boards, None of that stuff can tell you the future. God alone knows the future. And through his word, he reveals to you his truth. And through the Holy Spirit working within you, he tells you what you need to do and where you need to go and where you need to be. And so we don't need to post psychic hotlines or horoscopes or palm readers or magic eight balls. They're fun to play with sometimes, but you don't need to put your trust in those type things. You put your trust in the word of God. Look at what it says here. No one knows the thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one can comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God. So if we are saved, we have received the spirit from God and all of us have that spirit from God that have been saved because the spirit is omnipresent and can be in all of us at the same time. And so all of us in the room that have repented of our sins, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. So we have the spirit from God so we can know the thoughts of God. But how do we know those thoughts of God? We know it through the spirit revealed through his word, which the Holy Spirit helped to reveal. We've got the Holy Spirit in us that helped write this book, inspired as though it were the very breath of God. So we have the Spirit of God. You want to know you've got a major problem in life? What do you do? Call mom and dad. Well, that's great. They love you. They want to give you good advice. But what should you do more importantly than that is seek God. You've got a major problem. I need to know what to do. What do I do? Go to my friends. Why? They don't know any more than you do. Go to God. I've got a major problem. I want to go talk to the president or I want to go talk to a professor or I want to go talk to somebody that's been around here for years. I'm going to go see Murray Murdoch and find out what he has to say about this. But we don't know you. We don't know your inner workings or your spirit. Guess who does? God. Your first instinct should always be, if I've got a problem, I go to God. If I've got a problem, I go in prayer to God. If I've got a problem, I go to God's word. We go to the preacher, which is the gospel, Jesus Christ. We don't go to the world. We don't go to the commercials. We don't go to the music. We go right back to the word of God. That's where we find truth. And here we keep moving and it says in verse 12, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Aren't you glad it's free? We couldn't afford it. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't do anything that would make us worthy of it. But God gives us this free. It is freely given to us by God. 
And then it says in verse 13, and this is important, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Here in this section of 10 through 13, you have a great expression of what the inspiration and the revelation of Scripture really is. It tells us in verse 10 that God has revealed things to us through the Spirit. It tells us in verse 13 that Paul is saying there, we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And so what you have here when you hold your copy of God's Word, or when you're on your iPhone, or when you're on your iPad, You are looking at God's revelation to us of his divine wisdom and not some creation that a human has trying to explain the inexplicable. When you look at God's word and you see it as a divine, inerrant, infallible, trustworthy source of God's revelation to us, we have the creator's handbook right here as to how we're to live our lives. If you've got that, If you've got God's infallible word in front of you telling you who you are and who he is and why we're here and what we're to do, the most important book you can spend time with, any class you have, the most important book you can spend time with is this book right here. Oh, I just want you to get it. You're young. You've got a God that is amazing. You are bright, you are intelligent, you have your whole future ahead of you, and you've got a crossroads. Am I going to live my life for God and do something incredible and amazing, or am I going to be easily forgotten? Here's the difference. Fall in love with reading the Word of God. Fall in love with letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through God's word to guide your life. Don't read the word of God because you're checking a box of legalism because it makes you feel like you're spiritual and you're gonna get to heaven. Develop that relationship with Jesus so that you read the word so that you know more about God. You know more about who Jesus is. You know more about who you are. Let this be your guidebook for life. If you will fall in love with the word of God and read it daily and allow the Lord to speak to you, then your life's gonna be on the right trajectory. You're gonna be where he wants you to go. You're going to have the answers. You're not going to get distracted by all the other preachers of this world. Look at what it says as it transitions here in verse 14. It says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. You've got two responses listed here to the Word of God. The first is the response of the natural person who does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to them. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, why is it? He doesn't have the Spirit of God in him. If a lost person doesn't have the Spirit of God in them because they've not repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ, they read about a biblical worldview and they may get facts. They may understand and be able to tell you what the facts are of something they've read, but they're not gonna have true biblical wisdom because true biblical wisdom comes from a fear of the Lord. And that's what Psalms tells us and that's what Proverbs tells us is that the beginning of wisdom is a fear of God. And when you have a fear of God, you have a fear of sin and you don't wanna commit sins and you have an awe of God and you understand how great he is and you you understand how worthless we are and it puts your worldview in the right perspective and all of a sudden you begin to be in awe of your creator and the fact that he loved us enough to provide salvation and the fact that he loves us enough to use us in his divine plan, his eternal plan and it puts everything in the right order for you to have wisdom but you can't have that wisdom if you don't have the spirit of God in you. So here's my application to you on that part. Don't get mad at lost people when they act like lost people. Get mad at saved people when they act like lost people. 
When I hang around lost people and they cuss in front of me, I expect them to do that. I don't join in and do it with them. When I go hunting or fishing with people who are lost, though, I expect them to act like lost people. My dive instructor was a homosexual dive instructor. We loved on him and had him to a seminary campus, and we even had people go to his wedding with his homosexual partner, not to say we condone things, but to say we love you, and Jesus is the message, and here's what you need to understand who we are and what we believe and why we're here. We shouldn't be mad at lost people when they act like lost people. We should be mad at saved people when they act like lost people. You know, the biggest problem that we have in our churches, the biggest problem that we have among Christians and our witness is when we as believers in Christ act just like the world and everybody says, there's no difference. I see them doing the exact same things everybody else does. We're called to be the light in a dark place. We're called to be the salt of the earth. We're not called to look just like the world. Here it says the natural person rejects it because the natural person cannot accept it. They cannot understand it. They are not spiritually discerned because they don't have the spirit of God in them. But verse 15 says, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Up until this point in 1 Corinthians, Paul has been talking about the difference between human wisdom and a divine wisdom. He's been talking about all the divisions that have taken place, and he's going to start making a distinction next time in chapter 3 between the carnal, fleshly believers and the spiritually mature believers who have the mind of Christ. And so there's a transition that's occurring here in this last verse where it says, who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, verse 15 gets taken out of context all the time. Verse 15 says, the spiritual person judges all things. We're going to see in 1 Corinthians 5 that the spiritual person is to judge all things. But then it says, but is himself to be judged by no one. Well, what in the world does that mean? Does that mean that you can go around saying, you can't judge me? Well, no, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, judge them as though I were there present. It doesn't mean you're above being judged. It just means the outside world is not going to be able to look at your life and to understand why you're doing what you're doing. It makes no sense to them. People who are caught up in materialism look at you as you give tithe to your church, as you give offerings to missionaries, as you give money away, and they say, that makes no sense. Why don't you keep it all? They look at you as you live your life for eternity, and as you live your life not with a temporal mindset, but with an eternal mindset, and they say, that makes no sense. Now, beyond that, I don't have a clue how to explain what that verse means any better than that. It's a difficult passage. It doesn't mean that we're to walk around saying, you can't judge me. Because we know in the Bible, we are to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. We are to practice church discipline on one another. If somebody gets off the way, we're to call them to come back to the way. And so here we see in verse 16, who has understood the mind of the Lord? None of us have. What should this cause us to do? I think it should cause us to have a humility. I can't tell you the mind of God. I'm just a sinner saved by grace trying to read the Bible, live out life for the Holy Spirit to glorify God and to make a difference in his kingdom, just like you. We don't know the mind of God. And any time that you're learning breeds an arrogance to where you think you're better than other people, you've missed what Paul says when he says, but we have the mind of Christ. Because in Philippians, he tells us the mind of Christ is what? 
to consider others before yourself. Our time is short. There's so much more I could say to you. But let me draw it to a conclusion in this way. You've got preachers preaching a message to you about how to live the rest of your life. You've got television telling you to do one thing. You've got songs and music telling you to do another. You have commercials telling you to do another. You have all these voices in your head. And my admonition, my encouragement, my prayer, what I hope you will find here at Cedarville is that what we tell you is there is one message that is true, that is eternal, that is infallible, and that is the message that you will find in this book, and that is the message that you need to guide your life with. It's inerrant. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's revealed through the Holy Spirit. Paul says that he spoke those words to us imparted by the Spirit. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, so you have the author of the book in you who can tell you about the eternal holy God. Take advantage of that and spend time with God in his word and let this be the message that guides your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, I I know that we have students, some who are struggling. Father, there's sin or there's temptation or there are things that have them in bondage. Lord, there are messages that they're listening to that are taking them down the wrong path. And so, Lord, today I just pray that you would convict them. God, I don't pray that in a harshful way, though, Lord. I pray that you would convict them because... If they live their life for you, their life's going to be so much better, so much more meaningful, so much more at peace. And so, God, I pray that you would just help show us all where we need to rely more on your word and less on what people say. Father, I pray that every student who walks through these doors would have a consistent time of reading the Bible and a consistent time of prayer with you daily, and that that would become so much a pattern of their life that they would take that with them for the rest of their life wherever they go. God, I pray your blessings upon them. Lord, we have an incredible group of people that have come to Cedarville to glorify you, to live for you. None of them wants to be the example of somebody that made the mistake or the bad example. And so, God, I pray that you would protect them from temptation, that you would guard them, that you would help put friends around them to guide them in the right way, that you would give them a love for the Bible, a love for you, a love for lost people, and that you would help them to be light in dark places and the salt of the earth. And God, I pray that you would use them to do amazing things for your kingdom, not for their glory, but for yours, Lord. And I ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.